Hello and welcome to the JNM podcast. This is Jeanette. Uh, this is a podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, and anything in between. If you're listening for the first time, welcome. And if you're coming back, welcome back. Hope you're doing well. Uh, before I get to any details, I would like to welcome a new guest on Woo. the show, Colleen Bradley. Is Hi. that how? You- <laughs> yes, that is how you pronounce my name. And everything. That's what I'm going okay. by. I don't have a stage name. <laughs> Yeah, no, because like I know on Instagram it's calling Marie, and I'm like I don't think it That's was. That's because calling... when I got my original Facebook account, I was hiding from the government or something. You know, like I was just like <laughs> it was it was a dark time. I was afraid of like people on the internet being able to find me, so I just went yeah. by my middle name instead of my last name. <laughs> yeah, because like I mean, like I remember I did that like for like the first like two years i think it was in 2010 back when um the not so hipster jeans were in and yeah yeah. Yeah, see the difference is that you then changed it to your real identity whereas i didn't even get a facebook account until 2014 and i still am rocking my fake name yeah (laughs) also my my uh instagram is something it says something about like cobra on it because what's like my first name c-o last name b-r-a yeah so I was like, that would be like a sick named, like, you know, say there's another, like, Colleen Bradley in the WGA someday when I make it. I'll be like, Colleen brackets Cobra Bradley. You'd be like, no one calls you Cobra in your real life, but they won't know. <laughs> or you'll be like, uh, like a three uh, word name, like Colleen Marie Bradley. Or... But there are shockingly, well, there's a lot of, like, people with the middle name Marie because it's one of those ones like Anne or yeah. Elizabeth where you're just like ah, I couldn't think of anything crap <laughs> you know our little baby b- girl was just bored and we've only thought of her first name and so you just panic and write down Marie I feel like that <laughs> my mom gets really insulted when I say that because she's like we were gonna name you Maria it's got like a whole backstory and I'm like well you chose a very common middle name this was your chance to get crazy and name me like Colleen Balthazar Bradley or something and you didn't do it yeah i mean for me like i remember my mom uh she said that she named me jeanette christine romadetti but i guess whoever wrote the name like on the official document put christina and she was like yeah you were supposed to be named christine not christina and i'm like you know they're both they both mean the same thing. The follower yeah. of Christ. Like, they're both... I feel like also, like, if you're... If you've got, like, the nurse in the hospital whose, like, job it is to write shit down... Yeah. Right? If you're not allowed to swear this podcast, to write bleep no, down... No, you can swear. Okay. You can swear as much as you want. Okay. Um, I used to have an old podcast where I get try to get my mom to listen to it, and she was like, there's just too much swearing. And I was like, okay. I mean, okay, we could, like, maybe, like, bring it down to, like, a hundred. Yeah. But um, if, if that's your job in the hospital, like you're you're the nurse of the pen, I would, you know, double check the spelling before you just get out there and get crazy. Yeah. Isn't that what happened it's, to Oprah? Like her, she was supposed to be named like Orpha or something and they like just bungled the spelling? Oh, I don't know. I never heard of that. I thought like, I don't know. That's, you know. That is a entirely, that's an anecdote that I may have made up. <laughs> So. Yeah, like, also, I, I thought, like, Oprah, like, because, like, it's a flower, right? Like, um, it's mm-hmm. like a, f- or is it a vegetable? I don't know. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we do some quick Googling off the side. <laughs> oh, it says it's a cauliflower. Okay. Oh. Well, no. I mean, that makes, 
No, what? No, this is just an this is just an ad about how she's growing <laughs> she's growing cauliflowers at home. Um, hmm. Maybe they named one after her after she was already famous or something. I don't know. I remember it's like a a food item, but yeah. I don't know. I thought maybe it was one of those things where it's like, you know, if you get famous and people are a big fan of you, they'll like discover a rare Amazonian like carrot and be like, this is the Jeanette carrot because they're just like such a big fan. I mean, I think like for me, it would just be like some hot dog or food item like on like <laughs> Yeah, but a- like... How likely are you to discover a hot dog in the wild? <laughs> I mean, like, you would be surprised. <laughs> Aside from all the... the really derailed your intro, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, so today we are starting a new segment. Uh, it's like sci-fi, fantasy, and like whatever Colleen wants. <laughs> this, is the, this is the whatever Colleen wants segment. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to start with the 1999 sci-fi comedy film Galaxy Quest. Uh, the movie is directed by Dean Parasot and written by David Howard and Robert Gordon. And the logline is a cast of fictional defunct cult television series Galaxy Quest are drawn into a real interstellar conflict when they are visited by actual aliens who think the series is an actual documentary. Um, and I received information from Wikipedia, IMDb, Screen Rat, and Mental Floss, of all places. <laughs> well, just like quickly before we get into all of your amazing research, I just like, <laughs> somehow I've never seen this film before yesterday when I watched it. Yeah, like podcast. I remember when we were like asking like, oh, like, you know, what should we do? You're like, oh, I've never seen Galaxy Quest. Which is <laughs> wild because I've seen, like, I love Star Trek. I love Stargate. I love Star Wars. I'm, like, not one of those people who, like, picked a lane. Like, if you're going to, like, hold me down with a gun and be like, which is your favorite sci-fi, like, thing, I would be like, oh, it's probably Stargate. But I love all of those things. I've seen so many sci-fi things. And yet, somehow, I never saw Galaxy Quest. And, like, it's, like, out there in the zeitgeist that I, like, sort of knew what it was about. And I was like, oh, it's got Snape in it. (laughs) Like, you know. But I yeah, let it be. Yeah, let it be know that she is also a huge Harry Potter fan. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's. I've read all all the books so many times. I've read the first book like, like thirteen times. I read it like a bunch, and then I would read it again every time a new book came out. You know, so mm-hmm. I've read it too much. I got I got it in Spanish because I was like trying to teach myself Spanish. You know, after after college when I sort of like fell off the Spanish boat, yeah. I was like, oh. But I don't know if it's actually helping at all because I know the story so well that it'll just be like, blah, 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 T.O. Vernon. And I'm like, okay, I know where we are. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) So have you seen this this movie before? Oh, yeah. I remember, I think when I was a kid, my mom would watch it. Like, back, like, you know in the day when like people would watch like t- tbs like just like on reruns and such so that's what she did uh and then i think as i started getting older i started watching it and i was like oh wow this is like pretty good like script and just like the dialogue and the chemistry and then yeah like i i, I like it i really think it's a really great 
uh, film and also a great film to start like a series because <laughs> <laughs> it is done sci-fi ones already N- no i think like the closest sci-fi we did was uh wait for further instructions but that's kind of like more of like a horror film ish okay. it's like sci-fi horror okay um but not like as as sci-fi as like yeah aliens. it's not like yeah it's not like that they're out in space it's literally like aliens like creatures take over but it's like they block like the house from anyone entering or exiting the house and then all the only communication that they have is this tv that tells them to wait for their instructions and then throughout like the movie the tv is like oh you have to kill one of your people or like oh someone's a traitor you gotta figure out within like 30 seconds it it was something like that um Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, it's a British film, so it, it does do more, like, English-style uh, homes yeah. <laughs> than, like, American-style homes. <laughs> yeah, highly recommend. Cool. In terms of the cast, we have Tim Allen as Jason Nesmith, who plays Commander Peter Quincy Tar- Target? Targo? Targart? Target. Yes. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> target. Target? P- Peter J. Target. Little known uh, so, fact, the Target stores are named after this character. <laughs> Even though they've been around since, like, 1800s. Targets has been around since 1800s? Yeah, it was, like, uh, right, like, 1890-something when the, like, industrial period started. Yeah. Whoa, sorry, this is new information. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think, like, they didn't start being, like, a big box store until, like, the 70s, I believe. How do you know so much Target knowledge? Oh, I I Wikipedia it. Okay. (laughs) But, like, what Um, made you do that? I think I was, like, watching, like, a video about, like, big box stores. I think it was, like, Martyr Marvels or something, and they were talking about big box stores. And I was like, oh, when did, like, Target started? And then I looked, I was like, oh, it was founded by this guy. And it was just like some random guy that I think his last name was Target. And then I think like when he died, like someone took it over. And it almost like, it's almost like McDonald's where that person just like expanded oh, it. Oh yeah, like, it's like went crazy. Extreme. Yeah. That's wild. Wikipedia will take you down some deep holes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you may know him from Home Improvement, uh, which is of course a TV show, mm-hmm. uh, the Tor- Toy Story film series, uh, Last Man Standing, which is also a TV show, mm-hmm. and the Santa Claus film series. That has my least favorite like film thing in it, the Santa Claus series. People think I'm like a monster because I don't like the Santa Claus, but like he accidentally knocks a man off a roof and then they like forcibly age him and make him fat that's my nightmare that's not a good thing (laughs) (laughs) oh it's like a Stephen king novel basically yeah it's just like they're like oh it's great because now you get to be jolly and you're santa claus and your kid loves you again and it's like you just you aged him and made him fat against his will that is that's horrible (laughs) why can't he be this like the the first young svelte santa yeah, right. why does he have to be, like, obese and, you know, Especially if kids are not coke. supposed to see him. <laughs> yeah. Why does he need to look a certain way? This is 
skinny Santa Claus erasure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, we have Sigourney Weaver as Gwen DeMarco, who plays Lieutenant Tawny Madison. Uh, you may know her, of course, from the Alien film series. Uh, the original two Ghostbuster films, Holes, The Cabin in Wait, the Woods. Wait, she was in Holes? What was she in Holes? Oh, yeah, she was the bad woman. He, oh, she she's was the one like who makes the villain. Holes? Yeah. Oh, whoa, it's been way too long since I've seen Holes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it was like her and like John Voight that were making like the kids like dig holes. Oh. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, it has been a long time since I saw Holes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been a very I feel like long it's time. Another film like this film where it's just like you watch it and you're like, everybody in this movie, in this movie is a superstar. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, next, we have Alan Rickman as Alexander Dane, who plays Dr. Lazarus. You may know him also from Harry Potter franchise. Uh, Love Actually, uh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. He he was the voice of the white robot. Marvin, I think. Yeah, Marvin. The, like, depressive robot. <laughs> yeah, that was him. <laughs> and then, of course, Die Hard. I... I like him in Die Hard because he was like a really great villain, mm -hmm. and I know he he hated being the typecast of villains, but I would say he did a really good job as and a also villain like, for this. I don't know, was he typecast as a villain? Well, like he tried to avoid getting typecast, and then when he does play a villain, he tries so hard to not like encourage like other people to hire him for future oh, okay. villains he's like i did a villain i'm off that for 10 years kind of thing yeah that type of thing next we have tony shaloub as fred kwan who plays tech sergeant chen i Such think a weird a... choice like was this this is something i i didn't google maybe you did as part of your research but like tony shaloub not asian correct at yeah all. he's he's jewish <laughs> yeah i was like he's... maybe he's got like a Japanese grandpa I don't know but yeah yeah I don't think he does and it's like not addressed that he's playing a man with a last name that's very clearly Asian <laughs> yeah I think like I think it was like kind of like one of those things where they were trying to put like kind of a spotlight on like white people playing mm -hmm. people of color because uh, I remember in like the early when, during that trailer his eyes are a little slanted and oh so because like i was like did did they just like asian face him did yeah. they just yellow face him and i was like oh i think he is supposed to be a white guy playing an asian guy so um oh. but i think it was like to like show like hey like there were white people that have played people of color yeah uh, <laughs> but uh he played in monk the tv show the marvelous mrs Maisel, also a tv show Men in Black, and Spy Kids. Next we have Sam Rockwell as Guy Fleekman. <laughs> so he didn't have like an actual character on the episode. He was just named Red Shirts and had a short-lived minor character. <laughs> you may know him from Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, Seven Psychopaths, Moon, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, uh, and oh, Charlie's yeah. Angels. This is just making me remember, like, I have to rewatch The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> Next, we have Daryl Mitchell as Tommy Weber, who is known as Lieutenant Loretto. 
You may know him from House Party, 10 Things I Hate About You, and NCIS New Orleans. Nolans. <laughs> yeah. NCIS Nolans. <laughs> Next, we have Enrico Calatoni as Malthazar. You may know him, of course, from Veronica Mars, the TV show, uh, Just Shoot Me, another TV show, Contagion, and a recent show called Station Eleven. Man. I love Veronica Mars, huge Veronica Mars person. And so I didn't know that her dad cared, you know, the guy who plays her dad is in this. And I was like, oh my God, it's Mr. Mars. And <laughs> I think he's my favorite character. Like his, his insane voice is like, uh, it's gold. <laughs> yeah. And also like, now that we're talking about like this film has like a lot of actors that we know from like, you know, a bunch of other films. Um, I had to condense it. So there were other actors in the film that include Robin Sachs, who plays Saras, Patrick Breen as Quellick, Miss Missy Pyle as La Liari, Jed Reese as Teb, Justin Long as Justin Bra- Long. Brandon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeremy Howard as Kyle. Uh, Caitlin Cullum as Caitlin, <laughs> which is kind of funny because they chose Caitlin but spelled differently. Yeah. So <laughs> Jonathan Fire as Hollister, Wayne Perry as Lathe, Samuel Lloyd as Nehru, and Joe Frank as the voice of the computer. Rain Wilson as Lon. That was so crazy. I was just like watching it. And I was like, is that Rain Wilson? <laughs> yeah. Just like standing in the background, basically. Yeah, he's just like. <laughs> like he has like two lines. <laughs> and Corbin Blue as young yeah, Tommy baby, Weber. Baby Corbin Blue. Long <laughs> yeah. before long before the beautiful Halkeon days of uh, High School Musical. Yes. <laughs> The original uh, spec script uh, was made by David Howard, and it was titled Captain Starshine. Howard stated that he got the idea while at an IMAX presentation where one of the trailers for an upcoming Americans in Space film was narrated by Leonard uh, Nimoy, mm. a leading actor from Star Trek. He plays uh, Spock, yeah, for yeah. those of you who don't know. The late, know. great Leonard Nimoy. Yes. <laughs> The trailer got Howard thinking about how the other Star Trek actors have become pigeonholed in these roles since the cancellation of Star Trek, and then came up with the idea of what if there were real aliens involved. And from there, he considered the rest of the script that in a lot of ways just wrote itself because it just seemed so self-evident once the idea was there. That was his quote. Gotcha. Yeah, I feel like, I mean... I read that they, like, don't really use, like, any of the script, but you could totally see why they bought it, because they're like, oh my god, that's a great idea, and we, like, can't just steal it from this band, so now we have to buy it. Well, (laughs) I mean, I I think it, because, like, this kind of happened around a time that uh, What Women Want came out, and That's a wonder she can, he can, like, hear people's thoughts. Okay. Yeah. And then what happened with that one was that uh, the original screenwriter talked with Nancy Myers, who was a director for the film, and she pitched the idea to her. And then I guess Nancy Myers turned around and then wrote the script with another mm. screenwriter behind the original person's tisk, back. Tisk. <laughs> yeah. So 
I guess from there, they were like, oh shit, we really do need to give credit for yeah. spec scripts. <laughs> so that's why he got credited. And hopefully he got the money that he yeah. needed uh, and deserved. Producer Mark Johnson, who had the first look deal with DreamWorks, did not like Howard's script, but was still fascinated by the concept of space aliens and just like TV series becoming reality. Uh, so he purchased the script um, and had Bob Gordon uh, use the concept to create Galaxy Quest. As a fan of Star Trek, uh, Gordon was hesitant, believing Galaxy Quest could be, quote, uh, a great idea or it could be a terrible idea. I feel like that's true of like most things, though, you know? Yeah. Like if you just like walk into a room and you're like, there's a fish and all his fish children are dead but one fish is still alive and he's got to swim to get the fish across the ocean. Like, that could have been a real bad film, but it's great and it's so emotional. You know, like if you just walk in and you pitch like anything, I feel yeah. like in the right hand, someone could walk into a room. You know, they always do those like pitches where it's like, it's, you know, it's pretty women meets, I don't know, drop dread gorgeous or you know something like that <laughs> yeah. you know i feel like if you if you are a good enough writer you can walk into a room and be like it's finding nemo meets aliens 3 and somehow make it work <laughs> yeah i am not yeah. that person because i don't have a pitch for that but <laughs> somewhere that person exists <laughs> yeah i mean i totally get it like it is like intimidating especially if like you're like just like starting writing and such but i think like also probably it could be that since he he's such a big fan of star trek that he didn't want to ruin it for yeah. star trek fans also it's like if that's your jam then you're not going to want to be the person who like you can't show up at conventions anymore because shatner will like, <laughs> spit on you <laughs> Uh, so eventually, Gordon became more confident in his script and submitted his first draft to DreamWorks in 1998, uh, and it was immediately greenlit. And aside from Star Trek, it also received some influences from Battlestar Galactica, Star Wars, The Day the Earth Stood Still, Invaders from Mars, uh, Lost in Space, uh, I also think Stargate as well. Uh, seven Samurai. Stargate was like around the same time. Like it was probably oh, okay. like five years before. Okay. And then like some like B listed films um, from like the 70s and 80s and maybe 60s. Yeah. Gordon, who did not read uh, Captain Starshine until after uh, the film was completed. So that was good. <laughs> yeah. I like just in preparation for this, I just watched this documentary about Galaxy yeah. Quest because I was like, I'm not going to have anything to talk about. <laughs> it's called Never Surrender. It was on Prime, I think. Um, but he, they had an interview with him where he was just like, I don't, like, I like didn't know what to do with the film or whatever. And then he, like, had thought of the scene, like, the big emotional all-is-lost scene where they have to, like, tell the aliens that they are actors. And he was like, it, yeah. it just all came together from there. Like, that makes sense. That is like the crux of the film. <laughs> yes, that that really is. <laughs> uh, so Mark Johnson wanted Dean Parasot to direct, um, and Parasot had directed another film with Johnson, uh, which was called Home Fries. Um, however, DreamWorks favored Harold Ramis uh, from Ghostbusters uh, because of his prior experience 
and they hired him in November of 1998. In terms of casting, uh, Ramis wanted Alec Baldwin for the role, but Baldwin turned it down. Yeah. And he also asked Steve Martin and Kevin Kline. However, Kline turned it down for family reasons, and it was unknown if like Steve said anything. So that yeah, that's all I got. No one's, <laughs> no one's in twenty years hence like being like Steve Martin. Do you have a reason why you turned down Galaxy Quest? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably like I was on the Pink Panther or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, dude, like, isn't that like not for another ten years? It's like, no, I'm still, I'm still. Like, I was really committed. I was, I was working my French accent. <laughs> So when producers wanted to hire Tim Allen for the role of Jason Nesmith, Ramis left the project um, in 1999 of February, feeling that he didn't have the power to choose who he can hire, and that's when Parasots um, took over within three weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's like, great news for, you know, the new director, Parasot, but yeah. also like, well, if I was Tim Allen, I don't really know if Tim Allen's the kind of guy who gets like insulted or anything, but I think it would be, it'd be a pretty big blow to my uh, ego if someone was like, I hate you so much, I must leave this film. Like, yeah. And I don't even know if, like, maybe the director was just like, you know, he felt like he wasn't getting, like, they were just ignoring his choices, which, like, as a director, is like, you were yeah. I mean, like, I, I get it. Like, I, I guess, like, probably because like Ramus has done a lot of directing that he was like well that doesn't make sense like usually like I get you know what I want you know yeah. and that makes sense like I totally you know understand so maybe he was just frustrated because I've never been in the position of power on a film where I get I like and used to getting what I want but I feel like you know I'm the kind of person who like they're like this is who you're getting and I'm like cool <laughs> thank you sir <laughs> yeah yeah I mean and then also like for me like I I haven't been at that level where it's like oh I want what I want but it's like even with that I'd be like yeah like okay whatever let's just like you know <laughs> yeah I mean at least and you know Tim Allen does a great job like and I'm not even that big of a Tim Allen fan like, no yeah I don't think other than like Toy Story I'm really a fan of anything that Tim Allen is in yeah which isn't necessarily like a, a diss on Tim Allen I just don't no. really like his stuff you know yeah I just don't like that humor isn't like usually my humor or whatever but he yeah does a great job and like when this the film first started I was like ooh Tim Allen let's see if this goes well <laughs> but it, it went really well <laughs> yeah like he is like one of those people that he does like really he's almost like kind of like Andy Garcia where he does like really great films like some great films but he does a lot of like really bad films that's how yeah. I feel about oh gosh what's his name he's so famous this is embarrassing that I'm forgetting his name um the Truman Show guy. Oh, Jim Carrey. Thank you. Jim Carrey. Like, hate 90% of Jim Carrey's films. He's a great actor, though. And, yeah. you know, The Truman Show is amazing. So, love that show. And then you go and you watch, like, Ace Ventura, and I'm like, I hate this so much. I'm not a middle <laughs> yeah. school boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like him, but I think it's kind of weird. It's like one of those situations where I liked his movies, but as he's getting older... And then he's like, oh, I don't really like acting anymore, which is fine. But it's just when he but goes like, on interviews. Don't do it. Like, take up beekeeping or something. You don't yeah. have to act. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> but I think it was, I think it was like that documentary about him playing Andy Kaufman in uh, Man on the Moon. 
that I was like, oh, like I don't think he's. Uh, like I don't think he's anymore. like. Yeah. Just, I mean, I still, there's so still many like actors some out of there trying films. to make it who would be, who would like die to be first in the call sheet. So like, why are you, yeah. if you don't like it, don't do it. Presumably you're rich unless you've got divorced like nine times and like bought an illegal dinosaur <laughs> skeleton or something Nick Cage style. So like, why are you doing this? <laughs> no, I think he's kind of like Tim Allen where he's like, oh yeah, like I do some films and then, you know, just kind of like. Twitter. <laughs> I just I tweet the rest of the, of the year. <laughs> Tim Allen said that the version of the film pitched to him by Ramis and Katzenberg, who was originally the CEO of DreamWorks, uh, felt more like Spaceballs, and he kind of felt that they wanted more of an action star to do comedy rather than a comedian performing an action film. Which is weird because Spaceballs is like way more slapsticky than. Yeah, it's it's Mel Brooks. Like, yeah, like that's if you if you reference Spaceballs and then say we want a serious actor who can do comedy, those are different. Those are two very different things we're telling yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> Alan said he based his performance on uh, Yul Brynner's uh, Ramesses II uh, from the 1956 The Ten Commandments. Um, and less of William Shatner as uh, Captain James Kirk. <laughs> However, he did say that the scene where he goes into the men's restroom and then overhears like two guys like talking shit about him, he he stated that it was an actual event that happened to William Shatner. Uh, and then he stated that when Shatner was at a 1986 convention, like that exa exact same happening. thing. Why would yeah. you go to a convention if you're not a big fan of the thing? Well, I think, like, at the time, Star Trek for William Shatner was, like, his, like, big thing. Yeah. And when you only have, like, one hit wonder type yeah, of thing. Yeah, but, like, as a, as a person, atten as a regular lay person attending it. Oh, I see. Like, why would you bother to go? If I was like, eh, I could take or leave Star Trek, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to the convention. I love many things, but I have not been to the conventions for anything. Yeah. Um, because I feel like, A, I don't know, like, it's just, like, other people who are fans of things kind of freak me out. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I love, love, um, sorry, Supernatural. And, yeah. but, like, the, there's, like, a subset of, like, scary middle-aged women who love Supernatural and kind of, like, yeah. have sort of, like, blurred the line between the actors and the characters. And it's just, like, these people are humans with their own lives, and I don't have any desire to, like... I don't need to like touch them in person or any of that. Like I don't, they're not their characters and therefore no offense to them, but I have no desire to pay $200 to watch them speak. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I feel like the conventions are like that type of thing where like the really, really, really yeah, like, creepy you gotta be, like, fans, really into it. like really into it. And some people yeah. are just like, they love this thing and they want to celebrate it with other people who love this thing, which is great. But like, yeah why would you then go and shit talk it <laughs> in the bathroom? I don't know. Maybe they want to skip the uh, SAT scores. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> but after seeing the film, Ramis said that he ultimately was impressed with Alan's performance. So that's good. Like, at least, like, he wasn't being a bitch and, like, me. <laughs> <laughs> Side note, uh, Tim Allen admitted that he is quite starstruck uh, when he met Sigourney Weaver, and he was a huge fan of Alien, 
and he even got Weaver to sign some of um, his alien memorabilia Mm -hmm. uh, between takes. However, she kind of felt that he stole some of the stuff, so she said, stolen by Tim Allen, loves Sigourney Weaver, and he did not like that. I mean, he wasn't, like, yelling at her, but he probably was just, like, upset a little bit, didn't want to talk to her. could he have even stolen it? He wasn't on the alien set, so how would he have no. stolen anything? I, I mean, mean, in I the documentary know. I watched, he did have a framed, like, I don't know if they call the guns in Galaxy Quest like, phasers or something, and he said yeah. he did steal that one, so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I know that, like, prop departments, like, you know, when, like, a show ends or a movie ends. like, auction it off and stuff. Yeah. Or, like, at least, like, sometimes, like, if the prop department knows that this person really liked this, like, wig or something, they'll probably just, like, kind of sneak it in and, like, just give it to them. Yeah, but they don't usually just give it to random celebrities that weren't in the No. <laughs> no. I think... I don't know. Maybe he got it from, like, a friend of a friend or something. Yeah. <laughs> the black market and alien memorabilia. <laughs> the evil warlord, Ceres, was named from the film critic Andrew Ceres, who once trashed uh, producer Mark Johnson's uh, The Natural which was a 1984 baseball film (laughs) with like Robert Redford all I remember is like the poster but that's I never seen it Mm -hmm. so I don't know how great or bad it was but I guess like Johnson didn't like that he got shit on that's like the ultimate like Taylor Swift style revenge where you just sort of like like better than revenge where you're just like I'm gonna name someone terrible after you and you can't do anything about it. <laughs> and then, and then I'm gonna write that like the same exact format where it's like, oh, you were really shitty to me, but I became a better person, and look at me now, yep. <laughs> even though I said it in fifty other films, fifty yeah. other songs, or something. Yep, yep. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not. I don't hate her, but it's like <laughs> I just, just like you know, maybe spruce up a bit, like. You know, overcome writer's block. I don't know. Just saying. Yeah. I like all of her songs. Well, not all. Most of her songs are quite catchy, which I feel like gets her over that, like, hump. Of yeah, being, I mean, like, that that makes sense. Also, yeah. like, I think she's in, like, the phase of her life where she's had, she's, like, married or something. Or she's had the same boyfriend for, like, several years. So she's, like, she's, like, running out of material of, like, dudes that she can, she can publicly curse. So. <laughs> it's like now it's going to be like Reddit or Twitter fans. It's yeah, like, or like oh, she'll like. Drop a song, it's like a thinly veiled insult to like her mother in law or something. <laughs> <laughs> the film script originally contained a mention of Alexander Dane having been knighted by the Queen Elizabeth II. Mm-hmm. Alan Rickman asked that this um, should be changed because he believed that it was inconsistent with his character. And so all the mentions of the knighting were removed. However, if you look at the credits in the end, it will still have Sir Alexander Dane. Ah, interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and then although Rickman uh claimed that he hated sci-fi as a genre uh he could not resist taking part in this film as he found the material very funny so that was like pretty good you mm-hmm. know overcoming your uh hatred. <laughs> for your hatred i feel like even though he's like so famous for being so like often stoic and like a little depressive in his delivery of yeah. things like 
all the like behind the scenes footage I've ever seen of like Harry Potter and stuff, he's just a real, he's a real jokester on set. Like he seems like he used to be, I mean, you know, RIP, but he used to be yeah, yeah. like a really great, you know, all his coworkers loved him kind of a thing. In the documentary I watched when they get to the like memorial part for Alan Rickman, mm-hmm. I like teared up a little bit because everyone was just yeah. like, he was so great. And he came to my play 20 years later and I was like, oh, Alan. <laughs> yeah, and and then also like hearing like stories where I think there was this one actress that was struggling to pay rent, and so he helped her pay rent secretly. E- either like talked to like the landlord or something, and just did it. Wow, I don't know. It's pretty good. Yeah, I love it when people that you admire turn out to be good people. And yeah, I never revealed to be like and never never always be like a sad, depressive, alcoholic or creepy yeah. guy. Yeah, Sam Rockwell based his performance on Bill Paxton's performance in Aliens, the 1986 film, and in particular, he his elevated fear of being killed and his mental collapse upon seeing a motion detector that shows his their enemy coming closer to them. I mean, he's not wrong. He's the only one with any sort of, like, sense of self-preservation. There's yeah. that part in the film where they're, like, looking at the, the like, children golem thingies. Yeah. And he's like, yo, those are definitely gonna be evil. And they're like, they're so cute. And I'm like, nah, this is the only dude who's ever seen a film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you didn't read the script? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, also, his character was based on Guy Vardaman, uh, who was a man who played several unnamed characters in The Next Generation and served as the occasional stand-in for the more well-known uh, Brett Spinner and Will Wheaton. So that's like, interesting because Brett Spinner was like an adult and Will Wheaton was like a teenager in that. Yeah. So, like that dude. I mean, I don't know what Guy Vardaman looks like, but he must have a very versatile look <laughs> yeah maybe <laughs> according to writer david howard the continuous melodic yet monotone voice of thermian's commander Mal- malthastar was an original idea from enrico uh who brought into you know into for the character um and then everyone on the set loved it so much that they kept it in the film yeah i and saw then- it in the documentary sorry that they yeah. were like didn't even tell Enrico he had the part yet and yet they were like showing his audition to other people and being like can you do this and yeah. he was like if I had known that's what they were doing I would have negotiated like a much higher rate for this film <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> La La Liari sorry La, La Liari <laughs> is the first main role Missy Pyle landed in a feature film and so what happened was that her role was just going to be like a side character mm-hmm. and while visiting the set one day steven spielberg uh who at the time was also part of dreamworks okay. uh suggested expanding her character uh causing the love story between her and kwan to form and also the producers noticed that weaver was the only female character yeah. in the main cast <laughs> true <laughs> this is also both justin long and rain wilson's debut films justin long said he was nervous auditioning as an unknown actor at the time and he was competing against karen culkin eddie Ka- eddie kai thomas tom everett scott 
for the role of uh, Brandon Weegar. Which, um, like, what a great first role. You basically get in yeah. there with, like, this, like, crazy A-list cast. And his role, I mean, like, it's small, but, like, he's... Yeah, I mean, in he's the film. You know? Exactly. He was with Tim Allen and like yeah. Sigourney Weaver. In theaters, the first 20 minutes of the film were presented in a 1.85 ratio, um, which was a widescreen image. Um, and when Tim Allen first realized he's on a real spaceship, um, when he visited the uh, Thermians is revealed uh the screen image widens to a 2.35 now many of the theaters that show this film in the beginning uh they weren't notified that they had <laughs> to change the projector yeah whenever that moment happens so they would basically have like the moment come alive but there would just be like these awkward black like ends and so the projector is like projecting against like a black mm -hmm. uh, background instead of like a white background. <laughs> <laughs> As a result, uh, Dean Parasaw later admitted that the a aspect ratio shift was a terrible idea. <laughs> I mean, they could have literally solved this with like a post-it note. They could have yeah. stuck a post-it on there that's like, hey, at, you know, at 19 minutes, 35 seconds, widen your curtains. Yeah. Industrial Light and Magic uh, created the first the film's CGI models and visual effects. So they designed the scenes from the TV episode to deliberately look outdated and low tech. And then also production designer Linda DeSina um, also followed the same concept and took influences from the original Star Trek show, Buck Rogers, Battlestar. Galactica and Lost in Space. I feel like that's what makes it hold up so well as well. Because, you know, like, Industrial Light and Magic's, like, you know, a huge player in the in the special effects world. But, like, even yeah. then, 1999 special effects are not going to hold up to 2022 special effects. But no. because it was designed to look sort of like the 60s or the 70s, it's like, oh, you, like, forgive it, you know? Because you're yeah. like, oh, that's intentional. As opposed to, yeah. like... I watch a lot of like, you know, sci-fi TV series from like the same era, and it's like, ooh, yeah, no, that's that does not work anymore. <laughs> <You know? laughs> or like original, like the original series of Star Trek. There's like one very memorable one I watched, and I don't remember the name of the the episode or anything. Yeah, it was like one of those ones that like plays on TV in the middle of the day, and <laughs> I think they're supposed to be fighting like a lion or like a lion esque alien and it's clearly like a golden retriever in an outfit that's i mean like i understood because like the original star trek was produced by desi lu productions so like yeah like you could tell that it's like a low budget like yeah, they were like show they were and... producing it on like two nickels a day or whatever yeah <laughs> The bulk of the film was shot in studios in LA, uh, with the Stall House being used as Nesmith um, home and the Hollywood Palladium um, for the fan conventions. And scenes of the alien planet uh, were filmed in the Goblin Valley State Park in Utah. And apparently, the fees that the production paid for shooting there. Uh, were used to upgrade the entire access road to asphalt pavement. 
So good See, on them. Good, good job. <laughs> yeah, good job. Good job, Utah. <laughs> Mormonism. <laughs> so the promotional campaign for the film included a mockumentary on E! And uh, a fictitious... Uh, yeah, so it was about talking about the fictitious television series Galaxy Quest. And Is that, like, the, still available? They, That'd be so interesting to watch. Yeah, I believe it's, like, on YouTube or, like, some, like, background <laughs> like type of video streaming service. And it basically all the actors stayed in character when doing the interviews and wearing their costume. And they also used the earliest to have its own uh, domain website, and it was called galaxyquest.com. Now, the site has been archived, but you can still see it in, like, the this, like, website archive. I think if you go on, like, Mental Floss for the Galaxy Quest facts, you may see it. But it's basically deliberately to look like a fan page and to have poor html coding <laughs> like it's always nice of, when you can be like oh we designed it to look bad <laughs> yeah like think of it as like heaven's gate like that oh, <laughs> that level yeah. of like bad website design <laughs> director dean parasaw and tim allen have revealed in interviews that the original tone of the film was much darker with more scenes of violence and after testing um in test screens, the film was recut to emphasize more comedy and to obtain a PG rating. Also, they had to deal with like a Christmas release date. So if it was PG-13, they would have to a family audience for that weekend. So as a result, they had to dub several lines. So at the beginning of the film, Tommy's line is, you're full of shit, man. And they had to redub it to You're Full of It, Man. Gotcha. <laughs> when Weaver and Tim Allen were faced going through the chompers, Gwen's line was, Well, fuck that. And they had to redub it to say, Well, screw that. And this is like the famous one that's like really badly done. But I yeah. kind of like, I kind of enjoyed that. I guess it was like, because the film's already quite meta, you know? I was like, Yeah. I, did, I didn't mind it. It sort of, like, reminded me of, like, movies of that era that you would, like, watch on TV and stuff. You know, like, if you watched a, a PG-13 or an R-rated movie on TV in the late 90s, early 2000s, it would always be dubbed as, like, weird stuff that they tried to match with the actor's <laughs> lips. And so I was like, nah, this feels, this feels authentic. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Parasat said that he disliked the studio decision to dub over Sigourney Weaver's fuck that line because apparently it got the biggest laughs during the test audience so Parasa admitted to directing Weaver to give a bad lip reading of the Tamer line so it would show that the audience knows that hey like yeah, this was supposed to say fuck that instead of screw that. Yeah. <laughs> In a neat twist of irony, the film would go, go on to influence uh, the 2009 Star Trek reboots uh, 10 years after its release. Producer and director J.J. Abrams was a huge fan of Galaxy Quest, and he had the green lighting of Sarah's ship to repeat in Nero's ship, uh, Narada. 
Also, when Eric Bana was struggling for ideas on how to p- play Nero, Abram showed him a copy of the film and he wanted him to portray in a similar vein as to how Robert Robin Sachs played um, Saros. Actually, this like makes a lot of sense now that I'm thinking about it because <clears throat> there was a sequence at the end of Galaxy Quest where they're like, you know, the, the little ship, the protector is like going towards Saris's ship and it looks yeah. almost like it's gonna like go inside of it, but instead they do the weird thing where they like are like, here's all of our magnetized landmines or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Is it is it Star Trek two thousand nine or is it the next one? I think it's two thousand nine, where yeah. Spock does the exact same thing except he drives the like little future spaceship with the red stuff. The red matter. Oh, I yeah, I think it was the first one because I think yeah. that was one he, he was like, in. Because he like does it. that exact. It's almost that exact same shot where they're like facing off and the, the little one's going towards the big one, and he just drives it straight into uh, yeah. Nero's ship. And I'm just like, <laughs> it didn't occur to me till now, but J.J. Abrams just stole that from that from <laughs> Galaxy Quest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so since its release, Galaxy Quest has become a cult classic and is dubbed the seventh best Star Trek movie of, of ever, the entire... Seventh one? <laughs> I would have thought it's better than the one of the whales. <laughs> well, I, I haven't seen the list. I don't know which yeah, one was first. I haven't seen all of them either, so maybe they're better than I think they are. But Yeah. I think I've only seen, like, in terms of the older films, I've only seen the one with Khan in. Mm. So. Khan. Khan? (laughs) There were plans uh, to release a sequel, but with the sudden death of Alan Rickman in 2016, it brought that on, it put that on hold. And by 2018, the executive who greenlit the project left the studios that had the rights for the sequel, causing the film's status unknown. Also, it just feels like one of those movies that, like, doesn't need a sequel. Exactly. You know, like, it's one of those ones that, like, maybe they could make a good one, but it'll never be the same as the first one. That's how I feel about, like, The Incredibles 2. Good film, but The Incredibles 1 is a perfect film. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I totally, I, I totally agree. I think it would, it would also suck because like probably by then like they would have to explain like why Lazarus isn't it's there anymore. It. Yeah, it's just, it's just like I don't know. It's like yeah. they keep saying they're gonna make. They probably will like never make a a uh, Back to the Future, my favorite film, reboot until Robert Zemeckis is dead. But Robert Zemeckis is old, so that's like within our lifetimes. Provided we don't get hit by a bus, they'll probably try to make. <laughs> reboot which they should not do it's a perfect yeah, the, film and also yeah. a lot of that weird stuff about hitting on your mom doesn't work outside of the 80s no i mean like you know after 2017th i had to like immediately like, <laughs> immediately change <laughs> after all that fun facts uh we are finally going to talk about the summary of the film cool Only took us an hour. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) The film starts with a playback of an episode from Galaxy Quest, uh, which is a TV show that ran in the early 80s. Uh, Dr. Lazarus states his famous catchphrase by Grab Thar's Hammer. Dot, dot, dot. (laughs) (laughs) Because it changes. Yeah, you will be avenged. Yeah. 
as the team makes it out of danger. However, Nesmith states that there's something not right before the ship is attacked, and the crew asks for orders, causing Nesmith, in a very dramatic way, uh, to order activate Omega 13. And then it's to be continued. <laughs> so, this and, I didn't get. Is this like, was that like the last episode of the series and it got canceled before they ever. Because then I believe so. I don't know what the the omega-13 does and i'm like a sounds like a vitamin you get from fish and b um it's just like why if they had had another episode surely they would have been like we've activated the omega-13 and this is what happened you know like yeah (laughs) i mean like who knows like maybe that was like their last episode but again like they didn't really state they, could they have had, just like, said literally there was a... one person in the audience ask a question and be like, "What would have happened if you got another season?" You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then it cuts to to be continued before panning out to reveal a fan convention for the show. So as fans await for the cast to come onto the stage, uh, the supporting cast await in the backstage for Nesmith to arrive. Some of the cast complain about being washed up actors, with Dane even saying like, oh, I I used to play Shakespeare. (laughs) With Nesmith booking an appearance without them. Uh, So once he arrives, the cast just ignores him. Nesmith also makes like a joke about uh, Dane's panic attack moments. And then he tries to comfort everyone as Alexander tries to leave through the back entrance. And uh, so, like, while that's happening, the MC of the show, Guy, is having to, like, stretch as much as he can from it while the fans are like saying like you know show the cast or something like that nesmith manages to persuade alex to stay and then once the supporting cast are introduced nesmith arrives on stage with a spotlight and a grand entrance (laughs) i thought that was kind of interesting because and they they like touch on this later like there are certain fans of like other supporting characters and that's like true of of star trek too there are like people who are like you know, I would die for data. Like, I don't give a crap about the card, but I just want, you know, or like, I just want data. And it's like, yeah, there were people dressed as, as Alexander's character, but there just like, weren't as many, like, I don't know. I expected there to be more like, oh my God, it's the one with the boobs. You know, like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like it seemed like people were like, you know, 60, 40 big fans of like the captain character versus the rest of the crew. Or like, yeah. like in real fan conventions, people are like, you know, I had you on my wall as a teenager. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that makes sense. I think, like, they just didn't have enough props, I guess. I don't know. But who knows? So he tries to make a speech, but he gets cut off by Guy, who announces that the cast will be signed autographs by the Coke machines. <laughs> During the signing event, Guy cuts in line and greets Weber and Gwen. And after Weber thanks him for introducing everyone on stage, Guy reminds him that he was on the show in episode 82. So, wait, sorry, he was on the show in 82, episode 81, 
and then he later ex explained that um, he got killed by a lava monster before the first commercial. <laughs> <laughs> so like he tried. This guy is actually like the saddest character on like because they're all like, oh, we used to be, you know, like we wasted our careers. We should have never done this thing because now it's like this is all we can do, and it's like. This dude's still going to conventions, and he was only in five minutes of the show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he was like, oh, my God, like, I made it big, people. <laughs> like, That's the kind of thing, like, I'm not an actor, because I'm real bad at it, but, like, if I was in five minutes of Star Trek, you better better believe I'd tell everybody I ever met. But <laughs> if I was a, a real actor, and I, like, really wanted to be successful, and I was only ever in five minutes of Star Trek, I wouldn't tell anyone. <laughs> yeah. As he tries to join the table for signing, Dane is pissed off about like all of his fans like coming up to him to be like by Gra by Grafthar's hammer and then he's like, No, just like <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> a group of teens uh try to ask a question to Nesmith, who is on a different table, about the scene in one of the episodes, but Nesmez uh, leaves to flirt with Gwen, uh, and then Gwen shuts him down and, you know, says like, hey, like, you know, it was cute when I didn't know you, but now it's like, okay, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> As he's, like, trying to get her attention, he encounters a group of people uh, calling themselves uh, Thermians from the Klaatu Nebula, and they try to seek help from Nesmith, but Nesmith brushes them aside, believing that they're just people for the next gig. Uh, he goes to the restroom after being turned down again by Gwen, and then that's where he overhears, like, two guys calling him pathetic, and the cast, like, being washed up actors and such, and so that kind of yeah <laughs> that kind of like makes him like really upset and so from then on he comes back to the table and just like signs he doesn't tell yeah, stories no longer, or like, anything excited about it yeah so later on uh the same group of teens uh come back to try to finish their question causing nesmith to snap and argue that it's just a tv show um and then he gets up um, and leaves, causing the entire venue to go quiet. I've always thought it was interesting, sorry to interrupt, that yeah, no worries. Like people will ask highly technical questions of actors at like conventions and stuff. So, you know, I've like watched some some like YouTube videos of like conventions or whatever. I've been to like yeah. the Paley Center or whatever. And people will be like, in episode 44 at the minute mark 39. And it's like, the actors don't remember. They learned those lines for the day and then forgot them. Like, if you yeah. really want the answer to that question, hit up the writer of the episode, because they're probably the only one who did any sort of Googling to try to make it work. You know, like, yeah. they're the only one who can be like, excuse me, but that, you know, that's not how hyperdrive works in push-ups class. <laughs> Push up your glasses. And then the, <laughs> the writer can be like, actually, you know, there's, there's a little known article that I Googled that one time in 1998, <laughs> and that's what I based it <laughs> off of, you know. But the actors are going to be like, man, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I totally get it. <laughs> he returns to his house where he drinks while watching an old episode of Galaxy Quest. Pathetic. Yeah. Drinking, not a good healthy way to cope with things, but understandable. Watching your own work is weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, so he wakes up to find the group of Thermians outside of his house. And they're in his backyard. It's not like in the front door. 
they're like in his backyard. They again plea for help, claiming that he is their last hope. And when the leader, Mathisar, mentions securing the limo, the limo for him, Jason is like, oh, like you're here for the gig. Oh, I'm so sorry. And then like he like gets ready and he's still like has like a hangover and he's i love just the like, scene where he's they're like this is the most on i'm this is the most exciting moment ever like a honor to be in your presence and he's like like porky pig in it like looking for his pants <laughs> yeah he's like crouched down like, yeah, just, like probably doesn't have his butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so while in the limo uh tem mathasar's second in command tries to explain the ordeal uh, Thermians endure. However, Jason is too busy flirting with La Liari, the female Thermian of the group, and he asks why she doesn't talk. This is like one of my favorite parts. <laughs> to which uh, Tem uh, reveals that her translator is broken, and then she does like this, like like a bur- blah, 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 kind of like a a weird screaming thing. Yeah. Which I don't and get, because, like, later she just talks normally, and I'm like, did they repair it? Is it only broken when she's in the car? <laughs> like, no, I think, like, it was mainly, like, her translator, whatever she had was like, broken she, at the they, time. When the rest of them show up later, spoilers for Galaxy Quest, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast if you haven't seen, <laughs> haven't seen Galaxy Quest, but, um, she, like, she's just like, oh, yeah, like, we've been waiting for you, like, he said you guys might want to come, and then, like, and she speaks in a normal, you know... Yeah. voice. <laughs> well, I, I mean, again, I think, like, it is, like, that they kind of fixed it when they got back on the ship. Yeah. And then, um, and then, like, she was fine. Yeah. So, like, who knows? <laughs> After that, <laughs> uh, Jason was like, okay. And then he was like, okay, just, like, t- like, just keep going. Just, like, keep talking. I'll just, like, shut my eyes for a bit. But I am listening. Just so you know. I am listening. But, like, I'm just going to shut my eyes. As Tim continues his story, the limo pulls into this alley uh, that's surprisingly clean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that dog that runs after the car is, like, the most well-kept street dog ever. I know. Oh, like, is that, like, that's, like, Lassie. <laughs> like, <laughs> Lassie. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, like, they pull into this alley and then a beam picks up the limo and it just disappears uh, they don't use that technology ever again i saw yeah. on the documentary that that was like a, a an ad after they had screened the film because they're like how will people know like how he got onto the spaceship and they had originally the director had originally wanted it to be like oh like maybe it's like you know if he's asleep was it all a dream it's you know kind yeah. of like a uh What's her, what's her butt in not Wonderland, the other place? Uh, Dorothy and Oz kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. then they, you know, studios, they were like, no one will know. So they, like, shot that <laughs> beam up the limo scene. And I'm like, but surely they should have used the same, like, goo technology. I don't know. It was weird that they didn't have the same goo stuff going on. Who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe like, the limo that they created, maybe it was just their limo. Yeah, it was, you like, know? not a real limo. Although yeah. I would have loved to see, like, a, you know, they sometimes these days will do, like, a mid credit scene of, like, something that didn't make it into the film. Like, of them trying to rent a limo. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, at Hertz, it's like, hi, we would like to have a limo. Yeah, and they're like, well, do you have a credit card? They're like, no, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, sir. 
I'm assuming, like, hours later, uh, La Liari, um, whose translator has been fixed, wakes him up and gives Nesmith a rundown of Sarah's, um, the Thurman's enemy. And still believing that it's still a gig, Nesmith approaches the commander's seat and makes a couple bad jokes before meeting Sarah's, who is this, like, very, like, um, alien-like you know, creature is like, yeah. <laughs> with like an eye patch. Like yeah, he's got like an eye patch and like these like little baby wing thingies and like yeah, like antenna on his head that keep moving around. And this is the point where I was like, because because Nesbit like falls asleep, you don't really get like why they're at war really. And so you're yeah. like, okay. So it's like, and the Theris seems to like really really hate the Thermians, and it's like, but. But we didn't get the backstory. Why does yeah. he hate them? Is he just a racist? Like, what's his deal? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> As Ceres lists his commands, uh, Nesmith orders the Thermians to attack Ceres' ship before heading out. Again, thinking it's still a gig. And though they worry about Sarah's coming back, the Thermians thank uh, Nesmith and give him a hug, a communication device. Sorry. They also like hug him, but it's like a weird hug. It's yeah. <laughs> like, it's like leaning towards. <laughs> it's like leaning towards him, um, and they give him a communication device uh, before they send him back to Earth via their loop-like transportation. <laughs> <laughs> what happened was that they take him to this like room, and it's like dark, and then Nesmus is like, "What's going on?" And then all of a sudden, like the light below him turns on and then like this loop like takes over yeah, him weird goo stuff. <laughs> yeah and then like it opens kind of like uh like a teles telescope um door would do and it's just like him out in space and then he's like what in the world like he is just like pissing himself <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, it just shoots him, like, straight into a black hole, like, at, like, not lightning speed, but, like, pretty fast speed. And he just lands, like, again at his poolside See, this backyard. Is, this is one of those things where, like, the transporter tech kind of bothered me a little bit in this book because it's, like, so inconsistent. Because they first yeah. they beam up the, the limo, and then they do this weird, like, slime transportation thing yeah. which they can do the other direction too because they like slime the rest of the crew before they bring yeah. them up and yet later on they're trying to to do that the, transporter yeah, tech where digitize to, yeah it's like digitize them where they have to like cut them into a million pieces and like reassemble them using the tech from the show and it's like why didn't you just use the goo stuff i don't know maybe like maybe for the goo thing you had to like stand in place i guess maybe or like they did maybe they just like because they were such big fans they didn't they didn't put that technology on the protector but i'm like That's, <laughs> yeah. that was dumb yeah <laughs> need backup options so meanwhile uh the supporting cast attends this grand opening event for a tech store. So think of it as like Circuit City or Fry's, um, that type of like environment, or like Best Buy even. It's that type of uh, store. A deeply so, 90s thing to do, attend a tech yeah. store opening. <laughs> yeah. While the cast is like doing sign-in um, and autographs, Nesmith arrives late, but bumps into the group of teens that he met earlier in the film. 
and he accidentally drops his communication device and takes Brandon's fake device instead. And when he meets up with the rest of the cast, he tries to convince them that he has been to space and there is a real life galaxy quest. And then he tries to use the device, but it doesn't work because it's a toy. Yeah. <laughs> and then they don't believe him. And then the Thermians arrive again, requesting Nesmith to return to the ship. So the cast ignore him, believing that he's just faking the entire thing. However, they then begin to worry that he's taking another, another, sorry. He's taking another what now? <laughs> another, another. <laughs> he's taking another gig without them. So they immediately panic and like try to catch up with him. And they arrive, I think it was like the back lot of the store that they just did the event with. And a guy also joins them as well. <laughs> they ask uh, La Laria who's like waiting for them and is like hey we would like to join the ship and then she's like oh okay cool like oh, like please like have like six like pods ready for <laughs> and then they have the same experience where it's our cover in lube and then they get shot into space <laughs> I love that Tony Shalhoub is like not part of it because he's like distracted getting some snacks and from yeah. then on it seems like he's super high so like, yes. in my personal headcanon, I'm like, he bought snacks because he just smoked like a whole bowl before <laughs> yeah. he, before this event. Because the rest of the time, I think Guy even says like, are you high? And it's like, seems like it. <laughs> that seems like it. We can't say it because it was still federal law. <laughs> yeah, but he was yeah. California in the 90s, so he definitely had to be. <laughs> Yeah. When they get on the ship they interact these like aliens and they're kind of like octopus like aliens <laughs> and they're just like screaming in their native tongue and then like everyone's freaking out <laughs> and they have like all these weird they never really explain why they have all these like weird tools with them like, yeah they're doing like sort of like a you know you're about to be probed kind of a sequence and what's <laughs> weird is they have those like i don't know what they're called they're not like forceps they're like the opposite of forceps they like they're, like scissors that only go outwards they use them, they're like a medical device they use for like pap smears oh, and stuff. Yeah, for pap smears. And they're literally just like clicking those in front of Sigourney <laughs> Weaver's face. And I'm like, what? Is, why? They're not actually trying to probe them. So like, why did they bring all these tools? <laughs> I have no idea. I think like there were just like devices to check on their status or vital signs, I guess. But then they realize, oh shit, like we're in our yeah. natural form. So then they change their appearance to look human. And they're like, oh my god, we're so sorry that this happened. And then Nesmith comes in and he's like, how's everyone doing? Huh? Was that great? And then <laughs> Guy just screams at the top <laughs> of his lungs. Side note, uh, when Guy screamed... It was improvised, and Weavers did not expect it. Oh, really? <laughs> happening. Yeah, like, if you watch her um, while, like, the scene happens, like, you could see her, like, about to scream as well, or, like, freak out, and then she kind of hold it together. <laughs> <laughs> Which, surprisingly, everyone else, like, was totally fine. Like, they didn't freak out either. Yeah. <laughs> it was just... <laughs> Juan arrives moments later, 
unfazed by the trip. <laughs> yeah, he's just like, man, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. So Malthasar and his crew arrives and greet the cast by their character names. <laughs> and they do this thing where it's like, oh, like Gwen DeMarco. is like, Gwen DeMarco, Gwen DeMarco. <laughs> like everyone else would like echo, but in like silence or... And then when it came to Guy, he was like, oh, Guy. He's like, oh, Guy, Guy. <laughs> Who's that guy? <laughs> yeah, who are you? <laughs> Malthazar then claims that the Thurmans watched their, quote, historical documents, believing that Galaxy Quest is real, and the cast are real crew members of the NSEA Protector. <laughs> he also notes that they replicated the ship and all of its equipment so that they can use it as well. And as the Thermians give them a tour around the starport of, and the ship, Gwen advises Nesmith that they are actors and that they should leave. But Nesmith urges them to stay, claiming that this is like an experience worth staying. He's like, oh my god, like, you know, you you don't understand. Do you want to go back to, like, California, be, like, washed up actors? No! <laughs> Wouldn't you rather be in space with these octopus people? Yeah, that, like, scream uncoherently. <laughs> <laughs> Once in their positions, uh, Nesmith orders Weber to take the ship out. This was my absolute favorite moment. Yeah. <laughs> so it starts well, but but the ship kind of leans towards you can see the all left. The, all the people going like, no, like yeah, they're like, to go oh, left. <laughs> and even guys like, hey, dude, you're supposed to turn, you're supposed to turn the ship. And Weber's like, oh, I I know how to drive the ship. Do you want to drive the ship? <laughs> so as a result, he scrapes the side of the ship, but and it goes it's, on like it's, just long enough. It's like. Like just long enough that you're like, ooh, this is real awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once that happens and they're out in space, they have dinner, and during dinner, Malthasar brings up how Sarah's wants to take hold of the Omega-13, but argues that they don't know the purpose of Omega-13. And after Malthasar reveals that their former commander informed Saris about Omega-13. So this is like another quick thing where I'm like, okay, so in the show, Galaxy Quest, they find Omega-13 somewhere in, like, on yeah. an alien planet or something. So the, the Thermians just, like, built, without knowing what it does or really anything about it, they, they replicated it? Or did they also find it? Um... Maybe, maybe they found like a sim similar matter, and they were like, "Oh, this must be this Omega thirteen. Yeah, yeah. It maybe. I'm not sure. <laughs> not yeah. sure. I, like, I would say like creating matter is pretty, pretty difficult. <laughs> I mean, they are real advanced scientists in terms of like they were able to be like, this is what they did on the TV show. So like, we invented <laughs> a new kind of transport because that's what they had. Yeah. But it's weird that they were like, oh yeah, we like built this matter destroyer or whatever or rearranger and we are not sure what it does <laughs> yeah when they were asking like oh what happened to the former commander Malzasar shows a video that they got from this torturing uh scene where sarah's is torturing the former commander and sarah's is like tell me where omega 13 is and he's like i don't know i i honestly don't know like you know please like just let me die 
And when that happened, the cast freaks out and tries to leave because they realize, oh shit, like these are people that actually need our help. As they're trying to leave, they ask like Tim to take them in their lube-like transportation back to <laughs> Earth. However, Tim informs them that they cannot send them in the pods, fearing that Ceres will kill them and destroy anything that comes out of the ship. So instead, <laughs> They're taken back to the bridge, uh, which is kind of like the wheelhouse um, of the ship where they meet Saris. Uh, yeah, they're Zoom. not like taken to the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the actual bridge. It's just it's called the bridge, but it's yeah, it's but not they, the like, bridge. always call it in in like Star Trek and stuff. But, like you know, engineering to bridge. And it's like there's no yeah. bridges here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, they they meet Saris on Zoom. And then he orders them to give him Omega 13. So Nesmeth agrees and tells him that they'll give him the device. And then he kind of does, like, kind of like cut, like, he, like, kind of gestures, like, to cut with Gwen. And then he, like, talks to Guy and orders him to fire all weapons that they have towards Sarah's ship. However, Gwen, once she manages to get his attention, she reveals that Sarah's heard everything. And then Sarah's is like, oh, you called me ugly, didn't you? (laughs) Soon enough, Guy, (laughs) he is like, hey, guys, um, there's, like, this red thingy that's moving towards the screen thingy. (laughs) And he's like, red thingy green thingy are we the green thingy i think we're the green thingy (laughs) and then the ship is attacked by sarah's and despite some damage weber drives the ship into turbo however they honestly um, built the ship to survive anything because like yes they get like they're they drive into the minefield they get mined up they get shot by sarah's they like overwork the, the hyperdrive or whatever and they're still kicking all, yeah, like Sarah's ship gets hit by a couple of mines and he's done for. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe it was just like the power of like eighties like technology. I don't know. Maybe it was just that strong. <laughs> Despite some damage, Weber drives the ship into turbo. However, Quan um, informs them that the ship cannot take it and that the ship will eventually fall apart. So they reduce the Also, speed. he does it, like, the most... I love his delivery and, like, everything. Yeah. Where he's just like, yo, they're telling me that, like, I can't fake it. So, FYI. Because, like, you know, I mean, in, in Star Trek... Uh, what's his face? The one who's... I cannot remember the name of the character now, which is embarrassing. But, the, you know, like, the, the engineering guy. The Scottish guy. The Scottish guy. He's yeah. always like, you know, Captain! It's not, the thing is falling apart! I can't save her! You know, and... Tony Shalhoub is like, yeah, man, like, it probably ain't gonna make it, but, like, you do you. <laughs> yeah, peace. Like, we're gonna, like, <laughs> smoke this joint that I brought in. <laughs> uh, so they reduce the speed and run into a minefield, which is kind of like a minefield that where if you're crossing by one of the mines that it follows you, so it causes more damage to the ship. Saris um, stops his ship, believing that Nesmith's ship will eventually, eventually, like just destroy and never recover. 
so once like they're out of the woods they head to the meeting room where Nesmith and his crew discovered that the beryllium sphere the ship's energy source is fractured and needs to be replaced and they don't have a replacement in the ship so like they gotta figure out they try to explain to the thermians that they are actors but the thermians don't believe like them like they're like wait who are actors and they also believe that all shows and movies from Earth are real. Uh, they even believe that Gilligan's Island is Those real. Those poor people. <laughs> Those poor people. <laughs> and believe that anything that connects to reality are deception and lies. So Quan, again, he comes up on the screen and he's like, hey, like, so they told me that there's like a planet nearby that has beryllium spheres available and then he was like but we would need to reconfigure the solar matrix in parallel for endothermic proportions and they're like yeah sure do that (laughs) yeah so nesmith agrees and the crew jump into a smaller spacecraft to land nearby and during the trip guy becomes very nervous thinking that he's going to get killed because like they're on like another planet and he's going to get killed because that happened to him in 82 episode 81 yeah, i mean he's a reasonable fear <laughs> yeah they try to console him but then he asks them if he knows his last name to which they don't <laughs> Uh, so Quan opens the door and Guy freaks out and this is like my favorite line. Hey, don't open that. It's an alien planet. Is there air? You don't know. <laughs> I mean, he's right. In so many of those shows, they just like, you know, saunter out like blah, 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 blah. This is Canada. We don't even care. <laughs> it's just like, like they never open the door and are like, Ooh, like big mistake, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> Quan like breathes um, in a couple of times and he's like it seems okay and <laughs> they head out and Alexander takes them to the Berlin Spears um, only for them to encounter small green aliens so Gwen believes that the aliens are cute but Guy warns them that they're tricking her and that they're actually like vicious creatures and soon they watch the group of aliens attack and kill one of their weaker uh, members and then they start panicking <laughs> i also was like why are these little tiny guys what are they doing with beryllium spheres they don't really seem like they're not they're not making clothes out of them <laughs> like what are yeah they, what are they doing maybe it's like some sort of like kind of like um kind of like gold where it's like oh like this is like this is like really yeah valuable and such so nesmith just devised a plan where he gwen alex and kwan steal the sphere while uh weber and guy are kind of like they go up to like the hill to like just make sure that the aliens are gone and that you know they can distract them if possible and Gwen soon discovers that um, this sounds like an episode of their show. And then <laughs> and when they check on the aliens, the aliens are gone. So they're like, oh, now's our chance. So as they like take the sphere, the aliens just pop up and they begin chasing them towards their spacecraft. So Nesmith tries to join them, but stays behind 
and fends off the aliens. And then Dane is like, oh my god, you just you just want to be, like, the hero of every fucking yeah. episode. You always <laughs> have to make it about you. <laughs> so, however, Nesmith is captured and knocked unconscious. And then he wakes up in this pit surrounded by the aliens. And they keep, like, chanting this, like, one word in their language. I love that they went through the classic, like, hey... We don't know what to do with this character, so, like, Fight Club? <laughs> yeah, Fight Club. <laughs> the crew contact him and offer to take him back to the ship through this digitized transmission system that the Thermians have never tested. And at the time, Nesmith is fighting this pig lizard. So he was like, oh, try on the pig lizard. So they did, but <laughs> it shows up on the ship inside out before it explodes <laughs> and everyone at first like everyone's like oh my god like what the hell happened and Nesmith's freaking out he's like wait what what happened like how, what does it look like and Tim uh being just like an innocent person he's like oh it's inside out and then it explodes and he's like and it exploded (laughs) though the pig lizard is gone the aliens are still chanting that one word and once the crew translates uh the word it turns out that they're chanting rock (laughs) so soon enough the rock monster forms and begins like attacking uh, nesmith so Quan becomes nervous about digitizing Nesmith, uh, but once La Liari enters the room, he's like, oh my god, I'm like confident to do this. He zips up his like suit and digitizes Nesmith back to the ship, alive and well. <laughs> yeah. Well, he also does all that like, like pep talking, you know, which I feel like is so much of like Star Trek, whether it's, it's like, you know, a show about exploring the universe but it's also mostly a show about people like pep talking each other back from the edge a lot yeah (laughs) uh so the thermians notify nesmith uh the sphere has been replaced and the ship is back in full power so nesmith asked tam to drop um them off to earth so they could go back to their home planet however tam informs them that they have no planet to go back to uh so Nesmith and the crew are like oh shit like we're really sorry that happened and he tries to reach Malthasar and Quellic but no response and as they're leaving the room Saros and his men encounter them and they take the crew members to a room where Malthasar is being tortured to reveal the location of Omega-13 and its purpose and Nesmith orders Saracis to stop before really revealing that he is not the commander. Gwen orders the computer to show the historical documents to try to prove to Malthasar. Because at this time, Saris is like, oh, well, why don't you reveal it to Malthasar? So Nesmith is like, oh, like, um, we're actors. Like, you know, this is like a lie. It brought up, like, this interesting thing where I was like, maybe on Saris's planet they also have television? Or, like, because he, he doesn't need, like, that much time at all. He, like, watches the intro and is like, yep, got it. No exactly what's yeah. here. <laughs> so I'm like, it's weird. Like, I, it'd be interesting if they were like, you know, the backstory is he used to be in a, whatever the, 
lizard person equivalent is of a Shakespeare troupe or something. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like maybe this was because, like, he just, like, never got called back. Yeah, like, so maybe, maybe, yeah, that maybe was... he was just, like, bitter because his agent wasn't very good or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when they were trying to tell Malthazar that their actors, Gwen orders the computer to show the historical documents. That's, like, my and... favorite running gag is that, like, I don't know if the computer just doesn't recognize anybody else's voice, but they're just like, Gwen, like, figure out, you know, show the historical documents. And then all she does is say, like, computer, show the historical documents, but, like, in a sexy voice, and the computer does Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, like, that was, like, her one job. That's her and only I remember, job, is to be, yeah. like, the one who talks to the computer. It'd be like, yeah. is there any, you know, is there any beryllium spheres in this planet? And the computer will be like, there are beryllium spheres. And she'll be like, Yes, there are. And they're like, yeah, we, we, can, we can all hear it. <laughs> it's like, I have one job. <laughs> My only thing. <laughs> when that happens, Malthasar is upset. Sarah orders his men to release Nesmith and his crew into space without the lube transportation. <laughs> and while releasing oxygen from the ship uh, for uh, the Thermians. And once they are taken to another room... Nesmith and Dane decide to fight, quote unquote fight, because like Nesmith is trying to get Dane angry, and then once Dane realizes what's happening, he's like, "Oh yeah, you want me to fight, but not like actually saying it, but just like, oh yeah, like you're an asshole, or you know." So they manage to get the guards to the drop-off room, which is kind of funny because a lot of the equipment and packages that were around there were all like camera stands and just oh, like really i didn't notice that yeah <laughs> yeah they were like all painted silver and it was just like random camera stands and uh grip boxes <laughs> it was kind of funny <laughs> they managed to get them into the drop-off room before kwan releases them into space and then he makes a joke. It's like, oh, like the door's a little like, oh, that was uh, a little sticky. <laughs> like, yeah, I'll I'll just use W four. <laughs> they split up with Gwen and Jason heading to the mainframe to shut off the nuclear reactor, and Gwen warns him that they can't turn off the nuclear reactor. But Nesmith states that he can contact Brandon, and once he makes contact, Brandon takes him through the ship with the help of his friends. While that's happening, Dane uh, teams up with Quellek, who hid uh, from the Saracis men. I love and how easily Brandon gets on board, too. Like, he's yeah. like, he's not like, oh, this is a joke, oh, you're making fun of me. He's like, I'm in. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> and even his, like, friends, too. Yeah, like, like, if my friend called me up out of the blue and was like, yo, do you still have that thing that we did as, like, a fun fan thing? Like, if, like, my old D&D group got together and they're like, we have to really go fight orcs, I'd be like, yo, shut up. I wouldn't be like, give me two seconds, I'll be there, you know? Yeah. Dane and Quillick head to the Thurman quarters to open their door, and Guy joins Quan and La Liari uh, to Cirrus' men to turn the oxygen back on. So... <laughs> Guy tries to sacrifices, sacrifice himself, but Quan informs him that he may be the comic relief of the show. <laughs> uh, so he then gets the idea to digitize a rock monster uh, to take out Cyrus's men. And fascinated by his plan, La Liari just makes out with him. 
And <laughs> I love, I love uh, the line where he's just like, oh, that ain't right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, so what happened was that while they were making out, Guy turns back and he's like, oh, oh my God. Like, oh, this is, this is uncomfortable. <laughs> like, <laughs> and then um, they, I guess like they were kind of like doing sex I guess I'm not sure and then he was like oh I that's know. just some tentacles definitely involved whatever was going on yeah so he's like oh that's just not right and then he's just like very awkward Rough. <laughs> so once Sarah's men are taken out Quan stabilizes the oxygen after he has sex with Liari and saves the Thermians however Quellic is shot and killed by one of Sarah's men and upset, Dane attacks a soldier while he struggle, struggles to unjam his gun. And once uh, they make it into the mainframe, Brandon informs Nesmith to press the blue button. <laughs> so, like, during the process, like, they're dealing with the chompers. And it's just, like, very simple, like, you know, one, two, one, two, one, two type of thing. Yeah. I uh, love where she's just like, this was so poorly written. Yeah, this <laughs> like, makes no sense. Yeah, whoever wrote this like episode could screw them. <laughs> yeah. Once they like press the blue button, the countdown still continues. So Nesmith and Gwen is like, "Oh my god, like we're gonna die!" And then he's like, "Oh, like you know," he says something like, "Oh, like this, you know, I wish I could like." be with you more I don't know something like that um and then one second is left on the clock before it finally stops and then Gwen is like that's it like what the hell what happened <laughs> <laughs> Nesmith gas gathers his team and attacks Sarah's ship with um the minefield uh so what happened was that uh they get to the bridge and then he has Weber go towards the um minefield so that he could gather all the minefield and have it in a way where it will head towards uh Sarah's ship. Sarah's ship is destroyed and Nesmith's team and Malthasar celebrate. Weber takes the ship to Earth but Malthasar asks him to stay um and Nesmith states that Malthasar is the real commander of the ship and once they make it out of the black hole Quan enters the bridge and shoots Nesmith and he transforms into Sarah's and starts shooting the rest of the crew and it's kind of like slow motion of like yeah, everyone like dying shot dramatically fall like stares at the other crew crewmates as they're shot and dramatically fall and yeah, <laughs> it's like everything's falling to pieces. Nesmith orders uh, Malthasar to activate uh, the Omega-13, uh, causing the time to go back 13 seconds. What happened was that Brandon, while they were going through the maze uh, to get to the mainframe, he explained that uh, of the theory that Omega-13 is actually like a time... Um, resetter or something yeah Yeah, resetter uh, but it will only go back to 13 seconds <laughs> why 13 seconds I don't know <laughs> yeah I wonder because you know I've only seen the once but I wonder if like from the moment that they say that line or whatever they say before Sarah's walks in looking like um, Quan 
Like, yeah. I wonder if it is exactly 13 seconds. It felt like longer, but I don't know. It could have been 13 seconds. That would be cool if they actually made it work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it was just like the slow motion. Maybe that's what caused it to, to look. like stretch out. Yeah. The same like scene happens. Like everyone's like, oh, we're out of the black hole. Like everything's stabilized. Awesome. Quan enters the room. Nesmith punches him multiple times. And then. <laughs> Everyone's like, what the hell? Like, what did you do? Like, why are you hitting Quan? And then Quan changes to Saras, and Malthasar takes him down, um, who is like in crunch crutches at this time. So he hits him with like one of his crunches, crutches. Sorry. What if he did get him with like an intense crunch? Yeah, <laughs> like bring an entire gym and like. Yeah. Hit him. <laughs> So Weber struggles to slow down the ship because they've been going turbo like ever since they were traveling. So this causes Malthazar to announce that him and his people have to separate from them. Uh, so they bid goodbye, uh, but Quan uh, brings La Liari with him to That opens up a whole can of tentacles right there. <laughs> Like, yeah. what happens if her, like, if her, the battery on her little thingy ever goes out? You know, is she just gonna I be, mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe she'll have, like, a Gmail or, like, one of those, like, um, uh, IT, uh, emails that she could just send. Like, be <laughs> like, be like I, my voice box me. is, my thing yeah. is broken. Also, like, I don't know, I feel like in these side of sci fi things, Biology is, is a slippery slope, so they could easily have like some half tentacle children. Yeah, <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> Brandon and his friends guide the ship to the parking lot where another fan convention is happening. And they guide the ship. They sort of tell them where to go, but then they crash into a building. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like they have Roman candles, and like yeah. he has like also, the communicator. Like, the middle of the and like he just like comes downstairs with like a handful of Roman candles and I was talking to Elise about this and I was like who just has like that many fireworks lying around and she was like you know it was the 90s it was a different time and I was like a much different time we didn't just have like my house didn't have just like random explosives <laughs> yeah and it was kind of funny because like when he tried to explain to his mom like his mom was like oh okay be yeah, back just, like, by be back for dinner <laughs> like, yeah and then, like, it almost felt funny because I thought, like, the father was like, he's your son, like, not mine type yeah. of thing. <laughs> like, she was like, at least he's going outside. <laughs> yeah. What if, like, that was just, like, kind of like one of those, like, um, ad um, council um, at, like, P you know, PSA. Yeah. Uh, being like, oh, activity, you can do whatever you want, <laughs> like, yeah. type of thing. Is your Be son active. spending too much time at fan conventions? <laughs> Introduce him to Roman candles. <laughs> the ship kind of goes to where Brandon is guiding them to, but then it crash lands and hits, like, the building and surprisingly hits it to where, like, they kind of, like, stop at the stage and everyone's, like, freaking out, like, oh my god, like, what just happened? And when the cast started coming out of the ship, this, like, random announcer, and he's, like, a guy that you may know him in a bunch of, like, side character or just, like, random minor characters, 
in films. I think I saw him in like one film where he plays this like nerd, but no, I'm like totally blanking on who this dude even is. Yeah, but I mean, it's just like someone that you may know, but like one of those like that guys. don't know. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> so as uh, the crew comes out, the announcer introduces them to the audience. And it's kind of funny because with Guy, they're like, oh, this guy, this, like, random crew member. and And another (laughs) crew member. (laughs) Yeah. And with La Liari, um, he was like, oh, some, you know, Fred Kwan's character. And he was like, and his friend. Like, (laughs) as that's happening, Sarah wakes up and... Uh, tries to shoot Nesmith but Nesmith does this like barrel roll and beats him to it and kills Saris. However, the audience believes that this is a stunt and just like cheers on the performance. They're like, oh my god this is so cool. (laughs) This is why I paid my money. (laughs) Yeah, I paid $300 for this. (laughs) Worth the money. So, due to the hype, uh, the show is rebooted and surprisingly, Quan doesn't have the yellow face. He's just him, I guess. <laughs> so they introduce the original cast along with Lara Liari as Jane Doe. <laughs> and Guy as, um, I think he they have him have like a name. Oh yeah, it was Guy, the guy that was in the Star Trek film guy oh yeah he's like like the head of the security or whatever yeah yeah he's like guy fleek man as guy vargan vardaman vardaman yes yeah and then that's the end of the film it's good it's a good film yeah (laughs) so like what did you think about like the cast the cast Um, is definitely one of those things where like as i was watching it i kept being like oh my god this person's in this movie or like, oh my god, that's that person? Like, oh my god, it's like Rain Wilson in like his first movie or something? And it was crazy. And it was like, they did a really good job of casting people who are like not necessarily, aside from Tim Allen and uh, Tony Shalhoub, like not necessarily comic actors, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like it wouldn't have worked if they were trying too hard to be funny. You know, yeah. Like if this is the kind of movie where like everyone's like coming in with some quips, I don't know if it would have like worked as well as like the fact that they they're taking it very seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think with me, like I really like the chemistry with everyone. It kind of, it's like almost like that type of cast where everyone, like, knows how to like work with each other and like they communicate really well and just like they know like when to hit the lines a certain yeah. way and, and like the thermians especially seem to work really well as like a unit they seem like they would have been like the fun ones to hang out with you know like if you're on yeah. the set they seem like the ones who'd be like the cool they're you know they're not on on screen all the time but they're backstage like walking like weirdos and <laughs> doing quips <laughs> and stuff <laughs> yeah even though I'm not a big Tim Allen fan, I really feel like that this is like a really great Yeah, role I think he did him. a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Uh so what did you think about the look? Like or just like anything that you want to talk yeah, about? Yeah. I don't know. I mean like the look is is very like reminiscent of those those kinds of TV shows and films and stuff. 
and like I said earlier, like I think it holds up, especially because it's trying to emulate something from the past. So mm -hmm. every time you're like, oh, that like special effect isn't as good as it would be now, you're like, oh, it's fine because it's like it's like TV from the sixties yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So the only thing I probably would have gone like a little less ham on is Sarah's the bad guy. Like he not only did he have an eye patch with with studs on it, and he was green. And he was warty. And he had the little antenna thingies that flick back and forth. And he had the wingy things. I was like, there's like two more, like too much. He could have had like two fewer quirky things. And I would have been like, this is fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like speaking of like Saris's look, uh, I guess like the guy had monitors or something that would move like the yeah like weird antennas antenna type yeah. yeah and like i think because like he has so much of it that you could tell that he couldn't like move his mouth as fast as he can so like i realized that but then I'll, also it's like it's really good look for like a villain like i'm like yeah like yeah it, it does look like that he's struggling to <laughs> talk and like yeah. they may have to dub in the lines like for him later on but I mean, he did a really great job, and he was, like, a well-known voice actor for, like, video games. Um, the guy that played, um, he, he is also, like, Alan Rickman that has passed on, uh, but he was well-known for, like, a bunch of video game voice works. So, yeah, it does make sense why he, like, did such an amazing performance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, also, I remember that for the octopus, um the little like uh aliens mm -hmm. uh industrial light magic they had it to where they were puppets or like kind of like uh animatronic um puppeteer works yeah and because the guy worked so hard on it that they were originally going to just cut that from the film but because he again <laughs> worked so How hard you? yeah he he worked so hard on it that the director decided to keep it in because he was like yeah this is really great work <laughs> like, yeah i mean and it works too especially because of uh the scream at the end like it it's a good sequence yeah overall like what did you think about the film i thought it was great it was it was really funny um yeah i, I like can't believe i've been gone this long without watching it um, yeah. <laughs> i don't know how i just like never I've like definitely like you know like been on a bus where it was like playing but you couldn't hear it very well and like fell asleep or like you know someone was watching it and I like walked by but so I've like seen yeah. snippets but I've never watched the film until now. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, I I think for me like it is I would label it as a future classic, like because like for classics you have to wait until it's like a hundred years. Really? Oh dang. That's what I heard, that for, like, to actually officially say that it's a classic, you have to wait, like, a hundred or so years. But yeah, I would deem it as a future classic, because, like, it's really great. It's yeah. great tempo, great um, pace, great work. Like, it, you could kind of tell that everyone, like, like worked so hard. Like, like yeah. yeah. Also given the fact that uh the writer the second writer of the script was such a huge fan of star trek that you could tell that he tried so hard to make sure that this would be like the best that it can be yeah and it like um, it says a lot that you can make a film which sort of 
celebrates and sort of makes fun of a franchise you love and the fans of that original franchise are not insulted by it like they think it's great no you know like i mean they trekkies they can love galaxy quest so that's a hard yeah. road to walk you know it's, it's pretty hard to make something that's a comedy and like parodies something you love but also like people are like this is dope i love it <laughs> yeah and even like they even like list it as the seventh best star trek yeah fan. it's not even a star trek film <laughs> yeah. and they label it as star trek <laughs> but yeah like um any last like notes or notes you know, com- actually I, do, I have some notes <laughs> no i like yeah i just think it's great um yeah there's some stuff that it's like sort of unexplained like you know all the stuff about the transporter stuff and stuff but I don't know if like part of that is because it was cut down from being like a PG-13 movie to a PG movie or if it's just like they're like well you know you don't really need to know it in order to like get the concept you know yeah which is true you don't have to get it you know, like it would be weird yeah. if there's a scene in which they're like there are three kinds of transportation and here's why you know that would be <laughs> kind of take you out of the film a little bit but <laughs> yeah. um yeah, it was great. I, I really yeah. liked it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you really like it, and I'm glad that, you know, this was your first time seeing it. Yeah. Um, you got the authentic 24-hour-later response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 24-hour-later response. <laughs> that is it for this episode. Um, if you like this episode and want to follow us on Instagram, you can follow us at J-A-N-D-M underscore podcast um if you like this episode please rate and review us on apple Podcasts. colleen like thank you again yes for thank you so much for having me participating glad to finally be here <laughs> yeah yeah um and you know i believe that we will continue on with our fantasy sci-fi yeah, there's so many. maybe <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe stuff that you haven't seen who knows <laughs> so yeah thank you again for listening and hope you come back next week or the following week i know i've been doing every two weeks at this point (laughs) so yeah thank you and goodbye